Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Two years ago, the Missouri History Museum convened an intergenerational panel of civil rights leaders to discuss the movement's past, present, and future. The museum called it The Bridge. Tomorrow, on August 8th, it's hosting a second bridge event. This one has a much different focus, the local Latino community. St. Louis has the smallest Latino community of the nation's 25 largest metros, the only one, in fact, that's less than 5% Latino. So how do local Latinos deal with being not just a minority, but one that's dwarfed in size by other communities? And how do they straddle the Spanish-speaking worlds of their parents and grandparents with life in the middle of the country? Joining me today to talk about the bridge event is Lindsay Newton, the Missouri History Museum's Early Childhood and Family Programs Manager. We're also joined by two members of the local Latino community, Gabriela Ramirez of the local Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and Valeria Rodriguez, a Dominican-American multidisciplinary artist living in St. Louis. Lindsay Newton, Gabriela Rod Ramirez, and Valeria Rodriguez, thanks for joining us today. Thank, Thank you. you. Lindsay, this discussion was inspired by Flores Mexicanas, the gorgeous painting by Alfredo Ramos R Martinez, now on display in the museum. How does Martinez's life fit in with the bicultural theme? Well, so um, Alfredo Ramos Martinez was a painter in Mexico, an artist in Mexico, and his work um, caught the eye of the president of Mexico who purchased that painting. It's a very large, massive painting we have on display at the museum to give to Anne Morrow and Charles Lindbergh when they got married. Um, so that's kind of how we ended up having that painting, and it has hasn't been displayed or hasn't been displayed for very long. You have a collection um, of Charles Lindbergh's correct. possessions. Correct, yeah. Um, so we were really, there's just so many stories to tell from that single painting. Um, and one of them is definitely the story of the artist himself. And after, shortly after completing that work, he moved to the United States and changed his style quite a bit and gained a lot of notoriety for his artwork. How, um, did, how did the change affect his style? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, I'm not I'm not an art scholar, and um, but he it really changed to be less. Um, it turned to be a little more stylized. Valeria, as an artist, can you speak to the, the change at all? Or? Not as much, but I did notice that. Um, I mean, as an artist, you're inspired by your surroundings. As an mm -hmm. artist, you're inspired yeah. by the changes you experience, and I'm sure. And his, his style was, in, you know, his experiences yeah, yeah, from so Mexico living in the US, to the U.S. But he was yeah. he was still working with content from his home. Right. And so... So then he had this perspective of yeah. no longer being in that home mm -hmm. and painting yes. that home. Right. Um, and so the content was there and just this idea of how he was bridging his two cultures, where he had been and where he was currently living... Um, bringing that forward in his art, we just thought that's a fascinating topic to explore today and what's going on in the, the vibrant Latinx artist community here in St. Louis now and how they are working with biculturalism or multiculturalism, bridging the cultures of just what, how that plays out in their art, their identity, um, their creativity, and how it's going to look moving forward. Gabriela, you grew up here in St. Louis. Uh, what was that like being a Latina in a city that's largely black and white? Well, first of all, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here, especially grateful to the event organizers of the and the Missouri History Museum for asking myself and my podcast host of Authentico to moderate the panel tomorrow. So I really think that it's an opportunity uh, for us to have conversations and a great 
uh, effort on part of the Missouri History Museum to allow the space for the dialogue. Um, I did grow up in high school here in Missouri. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't the best of experiences, Mm -hmm. but I think that that's also, you know, uh, learning from that and how do we grow from those experiences to where we are now, where we are becoming a growing population, and especially with the Latinx network, um, they grew so fast, and there really was a need for that community to develop. And uh, I would say we, because as a podcast ho- as a podcast ho- host, we've also been supported by them. But um, to have collaborators and supporters like the uh, Missouri History Museum and the other museums, as well as other organizations, including the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, supporting them. You said it wasn't a great experience in high school. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Well, so I moved here in 1985. I lived in Troy. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming from California at that time. To Troy, uh, Missouri. Right, a lot of people had never um, understood other cultures, and it was really just close-minded. Mm-hmm. And so um, there were definitely some struggles. Yeah, I, I'm sure you're, you're <laughs> underestimating how difficult that was. Uh, Valeria, you've been in Miami. What brought you here to St. Louis? Uh, love brought me to St. Louis, honestly. Love. <laughs> yeah, um, I was living in Des Moines, Iowa for a little over five years. Um, and I was granted the opportunity to work remotely. So I chose St. Louis, and I was dating my boyfriend um, long distance. So it was... That, that's what drove me here. So you'd been in Iowa before that. So mm-hmm. St. Louis maybe wasn't as big a shock as it would have been moving directly from Miami. Correct. Um, what's your experience been as an Afro-Latina in a city where a lot of people may not understand how being black and Latina can coexist? Right. Uh, it's been an interesting, um, and I want to say a beautiful experience, because it's an opportunity to share my story and, and educate um, for other Latinos as well. Um, it's been very interesting. <laughs> um, just, uh, and I think that's what it is. I, I try to be as positive as, can, as I can with experiences because life is life and things happen. But um, yeah. Can you contrast a little bit? Miami mm-hmm. and St. Louis are actually not <laughs> unsimilar sizes if you look at the city proper, but they right. are very different places. Um, right. Contrast those two metro areas. Yeah. Well, Miami is very, very diverse. Um, it's huge and. It's very competitive. Not to say St. Louis isn't. Um, There's but, some hustle in that life. Oh, thing. yeah. And it's it's just constant. It never stops. Now, St. Louis, it's constantly thriving, I feel. Um, I feel like a lot of people downplay St. Louis. St. Louis um, and I feel like in the Midwest, we tend to be like the underdog. But St. Louis is just as innovative as Miami. It's just as, um, I want to say, almost just as diverse because we're here. The diversity is here. Um, but yeah, it's still unique. <laughs> we have winter. They don't. That is, that's a huge <laughs> it's, difference. So it's like it's, you know, for them, I feel like that kind of plays also to, to their benefit because business doesn't stop there. Here, mm-hmm. it slows down. It has these heavy ebbs and flows. How has it changed your art to be in this completely different environment? Oh, it makes me think outside of the box um, because... I feel like Miami, you're you're forever stimulated with art, with diversity, and it's so international. And I feel like the art scene is constantly bustling and exposed in different ways on the buildings, on the bridges, on the high, you know, everywhere you see art. Where here in St. Louis, you see it, but it's not, I want to say, as booming, and it's not. You might have to seek it out. Yeah, and 
I don't know. It's just it's it's not the same in comparison to that constant stimulation. So my art is influenced. I constantly seek diversity um, because in comparison, St. Louis, you know, you don't see all of that all of all of the time in different ways. So I constantly seek it, and where I haven't seen it, I create it. So that's where kind of my coloring book ended up flourishing from um, over time. Tell us about your coloring book since you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> so I created, I hand drew, designed, and self-published a coloring book called Shine in All Shades. And it celebrates and uplifts women of color in all of our underrepresented shades. And it's paired with affirmations and quotes to further uplift us. And mm-hmm. is it designed for kids or it's designed for it to be an adult coloring book? It's suitable for all because it's all about positivity, positivity and celebration of our diversity. Um, I target it to adult women because we set the example for the little ones, no matter what culture you're in. Like, we're mom, we're the leaders, we're the guardians. Um, not to take away from partners and whatnot, but <laughs> as women, that's 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 our impact in little ones' lives. So it's still suitable for the youth, too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Going back to the event that's coming mm-hmm. up tomorrow, we've got a clip of, of the main event organizer, photographer Carol Lara, yes. talking about being bicultural. Let's play that now. I grew up here in St. Louis. So for me, I completely grew up in a bicultural atmosphere. And now looking at it, I, when I look back, I think that is what America is. You know, we all are coming from somewhere. We're all bringing these cultures and these you know, these ways of life from somewhere, you know, so to me, I'm like the, the epitome, you know, of being American, because I feel like, you know, you will, you always hear the cliche, you know, America is a, uh, a melting pot, you know, but it really, it really has always been that way. And I don't know if people remember that or not. But, you know, me growing up with my family being from Peru, speaking Spanish in the home, and then going right out the door and speaking English and listening to hip hop. And, uh, you know, it's just, how can I explain it? Uh, it's, I think that's, that's what being American is, you know, being bicultural. And I think that more people need to be exposed to different cultures because I think we should all be bicultural. Even if our mother and father aren't from a different country, we should be learning about all the different cultures that we have around us. That was photographer Carol Lara talking about being bicultural. Gabriella, do you think she's right about that, that um, being bicultural is being American? Oh, definitely. And that was one of the reasons why Junior Lara and I created the podcast, because we wanted to have a platform that was bilingual, um, really celebrating our biculturalism as well as speaking different languages. I mean, and just like Valeria said, the artists, they gain um, their inspiration from their perspectives, right? So it definitely adds a whole nother aspect of an experience that they bring, not just to the community, but to the region as a whole. So these conversations are so important. Valeria, what are, what are your thoughts on that? We are truly a reflection of our society. Um, and I want to say it was Nina Simone who says as as creatives, um, and I'm paraphrasing really hard, <laughs> um, but, you know, as creatives, we reflect what we're going through, and we're the ones that should tell our stories. We're the ones that should share that experience so the world understands where we're coming from. And whether your expression is art, music, poetry, it's you're celebrating yourself, and only you can tell your story the way you can, and, and the world will respond and engage accordingly. How important is it to you to have a space where dialogue about bridging differences can take place? It's everything. It's absolutely everything because the world, it's, 
none of us are are monolithic. Like we are in our own right diverse in creativity and culture and we're all rich and in diversity and we should celebrate our differences, not use them as competition or a polar measuring stick on who's better than than such. It's like we're different. We should celebrate our beauty and, and see where we align and and move forward with that space. Gabrielle, how does that fit in with uh, the plans for the event on uh, tomorrow, on Thursday? Well, you know what? It fits right in because we, we we're providing a diverse experience. So there's going to be food. There's going to be the exhibit. Uh, Junior Lara and I will be moderating the panel with uh, a number of people from the community that are artists. And then we'll also have a display of Latinx artists that are here locally that will be able to showcase what their experiences have really uh, allowed them to create uh, and really just the opportunity to from for the larger community to come and experience and learn and even just find out what's going on with us. We're talking with Lindsay Newton, the Missouri History Museum's Early Childhood and Family Programs Manager. We're also joined by two members of the local Latino community, Gabriela Ramirez of the local Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and Valeria Rodriguez, a Dominican-American multidisciplinary artist living in St. Louis. That is a mouthful. (laughs) Valeria, uh, both of you, I think, have briefly mentioned this Latinx art network. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what that is? The Latinx Art Network is an amazing collective of local artists, um, and we meet monthly, and we put together either exhibits, um, different experiences through our medium um, to share with our community. Um, Even now, we're in the process of creating an exhibit, an opportunity, and a a huge mural, community-based mural, um, to touch on the the hard happenings um, at the border. Um, that mural is going to be in Bridgeton. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me how you're addressing the border situation in that piece of art. Well, we're still in the process of really developing it, um, but it's just showing how, like, what, one, what's going on, um, the disparities happening, um, and the hardships that are being faced, but also showing how we're one and how we're helping um, however we can you know, as creatives and as individuals in the community. And the purpose is to bring us all together and showing that through art, but also doing it physically to give back how we can, yeah. It's been kind of a tough time for Mm -hmm. the Latino community in the U.S., even Mm -hmm. beyond all the rhetoric about the border situation. Last weekend's El Paso shooting specifically targeted Mexicans. Mm -hmm. For either of you, how has that affected your well-being, your sense of, of being welcome in this country? I mean, it definitely makes you challenge it, but you have to keep going. I mean, it's it's why the the coloring book was created, right? We have to find the way to to see to make some sense out of things and find out and figure out how can we collectively and as a community make a difference in whatever space that is. You know, for some people, it's going down to the border. For others, it's raising money. Um, some of us is just keeping our sanity and really trying to appreciate and be grateful for our own situations because uh, if we haven't actually gone through something similar, someone in our family has, so it's very yes. relatable. Yes. Gabriela, you're nodding. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to my father. He's a Dominican man. He's been here for over 30 years. He was working at a construction site. And, yes, he's still a resident, so he's, he's hard-headed. He believes what he believes, and he didn't want to get his citizenship for the longest time. And not until he got picked up by, by ICE in Miami – while he was working, being a man that's lived here for over 30 years, they he was discriminated against. And, you know, he ended up in jail. They brought up old stuff from his past that was already resolved. 
Um, and and we had to fight. I, I, I was in Des Moines at the time, and I had to fight to find all this old paperwork that was not, you know, computer, it wasn't in computers anywhere. And it was all in old archives that was relocated from D.C. to, to I think it was Texas or something. So it's like I saw that, experience that firsthand. I can only imagine what it's like for a full, a whole family to be ripped apart, um, as opposed to, for example, an elder, you know. But it's like these people can't defend themselves, and it's it's heartbreaking. I want to do something, and if art is that medium or finding resources and individuals that know of organizations and, and communities that help directly in those areas, it's it's a relief. But St. Louis has such poverty and such mm-hmm. big problems that sometimes it's easy, I think, for people here to say immigration is just not one of the things we have to worry about. Right. You know, St. Louis has enough problems. Why should we take on immigration as well? <laughs> it sounds like you guys definitely don't agree with that perspective. What can you do to make St. Louisans care about this situation involving immigrants? That's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't That's say that it's Maybe about, there is not an answer. Yeah. Right. And I wouldn't say it's about taking on immigration, but really just reaching out and being empathetic and respecting people for who they are because at the end of the day, we're all human, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you want to look at the economics of it, the Hispanic population in St. Louis has been a huge contributor with um, a huge percentage of Hispanic-owned businesses growing in the county as well as in the city in the last couple of years. I mean, I could read off the statistics, but at the end of the, in the economic development and the economic impact that we're having makes a big difference. But at the end of the day, we're all just people. So mm-hmm. um, be empathetic and reach out and find out about everyone else. I mean, it's not always just about immigration. There are so many different issues, even as we celebrate other things that, that have been happening in the city recently, we also have to be grateful that we are moving forward, that we are coming together and finding an opportunity to collaborate, to connect, mm-hmm. and to support each other. I mean, it's it's huge for us, for the History Museum, to be a part of this experience. Absolutely. So we are able to find allies and partners that support us. Yeah. Lindsay, what's the role of the History Museum in facilitating these conversations? You know, um, the Missouri Historical Society is, I think, always trying to bridge the past with the present and showing those, you know, diverse, different perspectives from the past and how they are relevant to what is happening today and the different perspectives of what's happening, individual experiences, um, and also thinking about how that's moving and impacting the future. Um, Here at MHS, we also are really committed to holding space for members of our community to share their personal stories. Um, so that's a big part of how the work that we're doing for the bridge is is kind of aligning with the work we do often, all the time. We've got time for just one more question. Uh, what do you hope to accomplish uh, with the panel tomorrow? Well, really just to allow the the artists, and I'm sure that Lindsay and Valeria have some other ideas, but allow the artists an opportunity to express themselves, um, to share their talents with with the rest of the region and the community. Yeah, I think for me it's uh, connecting with the community um, and being able to open that conversation and share our stories and possibly collaborate and just make some magic together and move forward in a positive way. And really it's going to be such a fun atmosphere, interactive. Mm -hmm. That was Lindsay Newton of the Missouri History Museum, Gabriela Ramirez of the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and artist Valeria Rodriguez. Thank you for joining us today. They'll be at the Missouri History Museum tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. for the bridge panel discussion, where artists and other experts will talk about culture and creativity in the region. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.